Welcome to the Ziegler Inspire podcast from Ziegler.com. My name's Blake Lindsay, and I sure am happy you're here. Hope you're having a better than good day today. For this podcast, I've picked out a classic clip of Zig Ziglar from his popular series, Raising Positive Kids. As always, I know we'll enjoy hearing his wisdom from a parenting perspective. Now let's listen together to Mr. Ziegler. Is it tougher to raise kids today than it was 40 years ago? I'll let you be the judge. In 1940, the top offenses in public schools were as follows. Running in hallways, chewing gum, wearing improper clothing, which included leaving your shirt tail out, making noise, and not putting paper in the wastebasket. Those were the top offenses in our public school in 1940. What is it, 1980? In the public schools, not in order of occurrence, but here they are. Robbery, assault, personal theft, burglary, drug abuse, arson, bombings, alcohol abuse, carrying weapons, absenteeism, vandalism, murder, and extortion. Twelve of these are felonies. You see, I would be unrealistic if I were to say to you that what my mother did was no more difficult than what you're doing today because that simply is not true. We have more opportunities, but we also have more challenges. Well, I'm going to interrupt myself again. I'm back in the studio, and I want to briefly elaborate on some negatives which concern me deeply. Now, major problems in our society today include television, some of the music, drugs, and pornography. Much of the input through television and music our kids are listening to today is absolutely absurd. And remember, our input definitely does influence our output. So, what's the solution? Let me encourage you on one thing, to take your son or daughter to the local music store and get a copy of the top 20 songs currently being played in rock, punk rock, and country and western. I challenge you to read with your child the lyrics and then chat with your child about the possible impact this has in their minds. These songs, parents, literally advocate everything from premarital and extramarital sex to incest, homosexuality, sadomasochism, and even suicide. Now, don't take my word for it. Go and find out for yourself. As you read the lyrics, ask yourself the question, is this going to help my child or is this going to hurt my child? Now, as an example, Pink Floyd's music has been banned in 22 countries, so actually I'm not just expressing my opinion. Rolling Stone, uh, which is not exactly a conservative publication, says that Prince's album, Dirty Mind, may be the most generous album about sex ever made. At its best, it is positively filthy. You owe it to yourself and your child to read The God of Rock by Michael Haynes. Now, I encourage you, however, not to dogmatically prohibit your child from listening. Take that trip to the music store, reason with them, talk with them. But parents, in the final analysis, I remind you that it is your responsibility, and yes, you do have enormous influence in your child's life and what goes into your child's mind. Now, as far as TV is concerned, personally, if I had children today, six years old or under, 
I'm not sure I would even have a television set, but I would definitely not permit a small child under six to watch television unless I was seated by their side so that I could explain or screen what was being said. On March 7, 1985, an AP release pointed out that for the first time, the American Psychological Association has taken a position on the potential dangers in television violence. They concluded that there is a link between the mayhem on children's programs and aggressive behavior in children. The American Academy of Pediatrics Task Force on Children and Television concluded that repeated exposure to TV violence can make children not only accepting of real-life violence, but more violent themselves. Additionally, parents, every seven and one-half minutes on primetime television, drinks are offered, and 15 times out of 16, the drink is accepted. Have you noticed this? It makes no difference whether it's the good guy or the bad guy. If you're going to have any fun, the TV says you've got to have a drink. If you're facing danger or a bad guy, you've got to have a drink. If you've got a major decision to make, you've got to have a drink. If you need to relax, you've got to have a drink. The biggest danger, however, according to the Medical Society Journal, is not the behavior the television produces, but the behavior it prevents. What does it prevent? Well, it prevents conversation, visiting, and the development of the imagination while demanding that you rush home to catch the 6 o'clock news, arrange your social and family life to be home to watch your favorite program, and exclude any conversation with a drop-in neighbor until the program you're watching is over. Television also creates guttural, nonverbal speech like, man, uh, you know, you know, you know, and you know what I'm talking about, don't you, parents? I recently counted the professional athletes you know, and in a 45-second interview, there were 14 of them. When the deer hunter was shown on television, over a period of time, 37 people took their lives in a manner precisely like the game of Russian roulette shown on that program, The Deer Hunter. Let me hasten to add, however, that all television is not bad. There are many worthwhile programs from musical presentations to light comedy such as The Bill Cosby Show. Some of the Wild Kingdom and National Geographic presentations are excellent. Many documentaries are good. I'm simply suggesting that you watch, screen, and restrict what your children are seeing. As I'll elaborate on later in the recordings, according to a study done in Missouri, 60 to 65% of a child's working vocabulary is acquired by the age of three. The question is, will I let my child's vocabulary be taught by Prince, Pink Floyd, Dr. Ruth, or television's J.R., or will I teach them what they should be learning? So what's the solution? Well, I suggest one of two routes. On Sunday afternoon, get your TV guide, look at the program for the coming week, give your child 10 coupons or less worth one hour each of viewing, agree upon what is acceptable, and have him cash in a coupon for each hour he watches. This teaches him to make wise choices, and he soon learns that when he has spent his TV time, it's gone. It will teach him to make better decisions, giving him reasonable exposure, and yet not letting it be the dominant force in his life. Now, the same approach, but with a different twist, is this. Use cash instead of coupons. Now, this is one of the things that's going to require a considerable amount of discipline on your part, but... As I've said, and we'll say again, raising positive kids is not 
easy. Now, let me hasten to add also that the age of your child and your own economic condition will dictate the practicality of this and the amount of money which is involved. But whether you're in an area and in an economy where 10 cents an hour would be all you could give to your child, or whether you're one of those affluent people who normally give your child $5 every time they need it, let me hasten to add that this TV money I'm talking about is not going to work if you're already giving your child everything they need whenever they need it. But let me give an example about what I'm talking about. Let's say that you give your child $2.50 as a bonus for his 10 hours of television. What you do the Sunday afternoon when you look over your TV guide is you give him 10 quarters and explain that any time he wants to watch an hour of television, he's going to give you one of the quarters back. Now, if he chooses not to watch television, then at the end of the week, he's got all of those quarters left or as many as he has not spent, he still has. You take those quarters and do one of two things. Preferably, you put it in a savings account, like, for example, for college, and explain to your child that this money invested at this early age on a regular basis will provide him with the funds to go to college when he finishes high school. Not only will not watching the television give him the money, but it will enable him to have more time to develop physically and mentally and be better prepared for that college. Now, a lot of kids are not going to be interested in saving money that far ahead for college. So let him use that money for special treats like an evening out so that he can maybe uh, take a friend uh, out and buy them a hamburger. Use the money to buy special items of clothing, which otherwise he could not get. Now, I encourage you, don't let him go down and buy some of those rock music records that we've already been talking about. You control to a degree what he does with with that money. But as long as it's something that is useful and practical and are enjoyable that is non-destructive, I believe you'll find this to be a tremendous incentive for the child. Now, Henry Branchard, the head of the faculty at Timberland Park Schools in Phoenixville, Pennsylvania, says that there should be no TV for youngsters through the first grade. Children in the second grade and above are urged to stay away from TV on school nights, and they restrict weekend viewing to no more than three or four hours. He points out that you can observe the effect with some youngsters almost immediately. Three days after they turn off the set, you see marked improvement in their behavior. I certainly hope that you'll take away from this podcast a few good ideas of how you can raise positive kids in our world today. Hey, if you enjoy this Inspire podcast from Ziggler.com, please tell a friend. I'm Blake Lindsay, and I look forward to being back with you next week with another inspiring podcast from Zig Ziggler on Ziggler.com. Ziggler. Ziggler.